wonderful tune to start us off this morning. Uh, we at First Church would like to welcome you, whether you're here in person, listening on the radio, or watching on Facebook. We are blessed that you're with us this morning and hope you feel God's love and presence while you worship with us. <clears throat> for the announcements, please look over the bulletin for items that may be of interest to you. This morning we are blessed to have Katie Brodigan at the piano. Katie is a music teacher at Salina um, Intermediate School. Thank you, Katie, for coming today. Share your talents and music with us. The rose on the altar this morning is in honor of Bill and Edith Henschen, who will celebrate 59 years of marriage on May 4th. Happy anniversary to you. <clears throat> Mother's Day celebrations. Uh, today and next Sunday, following worship, the nursery and kindergarten Sunday school classes age 3 through 1st grade, the two classrooms right behind me, will have their annual Mother's Day open house, the primary department open house, grades 2, 2nd, uh, and 3rd grade, will be next Sunday, that's the classroom up here. Can you believe that Vacation Bible School is right around the corner? Lots of wild kids coming, aren't they? VBS registration opens today. Your kids will receive registration forms in Sunday school today, or you can register on the church website at www.firstchurchnk.org. There will be a congregational meeting on May 15th following the morning worship for discussion and vote on the proposed constitution and bylaws. There's more information in your bulletin and copies of the proposed document or at the info center at the back of the sanctuary. One other thought, you know, we, we, we thank the spiritual council for taking on this large task. And it was, it was substantial. Their time, prayer, research, and the discussions that we've had over the last couple months with our church family to put to words some of our foundational principles. So thank you for doing that for us. And now let's have the call to worship. So would you please rise and join me? It is... In your hymnal, number 28, fine print here, let's lift it up a little closer. Okay. O oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. From the lips of children and infants, you have ordained praise because of your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet, all flocks and herds and the beasts of the field. The birds of the air and the fish of the sea, all that swim the paths of the sea. O oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is the name in all the earth. And now we will sing hymns 29, 30, and 31, the marked verses.
Please be seated. Oh, no, wait. We have greeting time, don't we? Have the, have the kids come up here and say hello, a hug, a kiss. Uh, no. Give a hugs and handshake to those near you. Stumble on my words this morning. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. I only heard that from one person. Good morning. Good morning. So much, so much better, so much better. Okay, so I have a question for you. What do you think God looks like? When you picture God, what do you see? Light? Yeah. And blood. Blood? What else do you see when you picture God? Do you think of maybe like a really old man? Some people think that. What about maybe God lives on a really big cloud? Like up in heaven, yeah, maybe. Well, you know, sometimes people describe him as a roaring lion or other animals, right? Or in the Bible, sometimes we see God as fire. Who saw God in fire? Moses, yes. That happened to Moses. So while Moses was out taking care of his sheep, Right? He saw a bush, and it was on fire. But did the bush burn up? No, it didn't. And when he got closer, who talked to him? God talked to him. And he told him, Moses, take off your shoes because you're standing on holy ground. Right? It was special, a very special place. And so Moses knew that God was powerful and that he was mighty. And then God gave him some instructions. What did God tell Moses to do? take off his shoes, and what did he want uh, Moses to do for the Israelites? Yeah, he wanted, he wanted Moses to lead the Israelites out of Egypt and out of slavery, right? But Moses was nervous. That's a pretty big job, isn't it? And just for one person, exactly. But God told him that he would be with them. And so then Moses asked God, what is your name? And God said, I am. That's my name. I am. And that was really special. And God told Moses that by giving him his name, God told Moses that who he was by giving him his name. And a name is a really important part of someone, right? You're known by your name, right? So in Hebrew, God's name is Yahweh. Can you guys say Yahweh? Yahweh, yeah. And that, and by saying I am, that's what God's name is. God was promising to be with Moses and to be with his people, saying that he would be present with them and he wanted to, he wanted to have a relationship with them, right? And the same is true for us. 
God wants to have a relationship with us. He is mighty and he is powerful and he wants to know each and every one of us. Isn't that cool? So we might not always see God with our eyes. We might not see him in a burning bush like Moses did, right? But is he always there? Yeah, he's always there, right? And is he always with us no matter what? Yes, and we can always count on him to be with us no matter what, right? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, that you are the great I am, that you are with us no matter what, Lord, that we can be confident that you go with us every single day and in every single situation we face. We love you and we thank you for all that you are and all that you do. Amen. All right. You guys can head back to your seats. Thanks, Tori. Couple, one other thing I want to point your attention to in the bulletin this morning is uh, that this Thursday is the National Day of Prayer. Um, this is something that has uh, been going on in our country for some time. I believe, if I recall correctly, the first uh, proclamation of the, the National Day of Prayer was back in the early 1950s. Uh, but it is a tradition that dates back in our country to its founding fathers. Um, this Thursday is the National Day of Prayer. There's going to be Christians and churches from all over this country um, doing different things to recognize that. Um, and so it's an opportunity for us to pray for our nation, pray for our communities, pray for our, um, for our church family. Um, and so I want to encourage you to be lifting up our nation, our community, really our, our entire world in prayer this Thursday. There's a couple different ways that you can do that. Um, you can, of course, pray on your own. Um, and there's, uh, there's going to be uh, opportunities to do that all the time, of course. But on Thursday in particular, we invite you to pray for these things uh, during your own prayer time. Um, you can also come to the church. The sanctuary will be open Thursday evening from 5 to 8 p.m. If you just want to come and pray on your own or have a place to pray, um, the sanctuary will be open. There will be some material here about scripture readings and, uh, and specific things to pray for um, that will be available here in the church sanctuary. So if you'd like to come to the church and have a place to pray or come with someone to pray, uh, the sanctuary will be open Thursday evening from 5 to 8 that you can come and do just that. Uh, but in addition to that, I'm also going to be leading a prayer walk around the New Knoxville community. So if you'd like to participate in that, we're going to meet here at the church at 6 p.m. We're going to meet, you know, under the clock tower over here by the front steps of the church. And we're going to stop at different places in our community to pray for those things um, that the National Day of Prayer encourages us to pray for. So we're going to pray for our church family and other churches in our community and across our nation and world. We're going to pray for our government. We're going to pray for those that serve in the military as well as our schools and our community and our families. So um, I encourage you, if you're able to come that evening and would like to join us in that, to meet us here at the church at 6 p.m., and we're going to go around our community and pray for these things together. Uh, but if, if, that's, if you're not available to do that um, and would like to just come here and, and have a place to pray, the sanctuary will be open that evening from 5 to 8 p.m. Um, and, and if you are unable to attend in person, we just encourage you to be lifting up our nation, our community, our churches in prayer um, all the time, but particularly our offering this morning does go support, to support the general fund here at First Church. And so uh, if, you're, if you're willing and able to give this morning, uh, your offering will go to support the ministry here at First Church of New Knoxville. At this time, I want to invite the deacons to come forward to collect the offering while the choir blesses us with a song.
Amen. I invite you to remain standing as we sing our next hymn this morning, number 66, To God Be the Glory. you to pray with me at this time. Father God, we come before you and we, we lift up our voices together in song and in prayer this morning, declaring your praises and giving you all the glory because Lord, you deserve it. Father God, you created us and you sustain us by your presence and your grace and your power. Uh, so Jesus, you are the son of God who came and, and, and gave yourself for us the perfect redemption, the purchase of of blood for our sin, for our sake. We praise you because you died for us and you rose again and you are seated at the right hand of your Father. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are present with us, with your people, that you do not leave us nor forsake us, that we know that whatever circumstances we find ourselves in life, both our greatest joys and our deepest sorrows, that you are present to guide us and to comfort us and to, and to equip us, Lord, to serve you, whatever we may be doing. 
And so, Lord God, we give you all of the glory. Um, And we know that because you have done great things, because you have been faithful in the past, we know that you will continue to be faithful in the present and on into the future. And so we can come to you in prayer. We can lift up our voices. And what a, what a privilege and honor it is to do so. Because, Lord God, you are, you are so great. You are so wonderful. You are so glorious. Um, Lord, yet you invite us, us lowly sinners, to know you, to be redeemed, and to, to have a relationship with you. And so, Lord, it truly is our privilege to come to you in prayer, to lift up our concerns to you. And so, Lord, we ask now in our world, Lord, work according to your will and not our own. Lord, there is so much to pray for this morning. Uh, personal health concerns that we know people are facing. Um, the, the grief of loss. The, the um, provision, Lord, that some are, some are in need of. Lord, we, where there is so much to lift up to you. And, and you know each and every situation. Lord, we could be here, Lord, all morning just lifting up the ways that we need you. If we were truly honest with ourselves. And so, Lord, we ask that you would work in all of those situations. You would meet those needs according to your will. Because, Lord, you are the one who provides. You are the one who sees us in our time of need. And you are the one who is able to hear and respond to our cries of help. Lord, we also ask that you would work in our, in our community, our nation, our world. There is so much going on that is beyond Maybe those, the things that directly affect us, but we know, Lord, they are things that we should pray for. And so we pray for the ongoing conflict in Ukraine. We pray for our nation and, and the leaders that are, are here, both at a, a federal and state and local level, that they make decisions that are honoring and pleasing to you. Lord, you ask us to pray for those in authority so that we may live good and peaceful and godly lives in, in, in the place that you've, you've you've put us. And so we do that this morning, praying for all wisdom and, uh, and, and good and right and just decisions to be made at all levels of our government. And we also pray for our church family here in this place, that we would be a people of prayer, a people that depend on you for everything. Lord, help us to see our need for you and help us to see also, Lord, that you meet every one of our needs through Christ Jesus, our Lord. We pray all these things in his name, as he he taught, taught his disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. You may be seated. Our scripture reading today comes from Exodus chapter 3, verses 13 through 15. You can follow along in your bulletin. If you have your own Bible with you, or if you'd like to use one of our few Bibles, you can also follow along there as as we open up God's Word together. So again, we're reading from Exodus chapter 3, verses 13 through 15. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. 
God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you again for the reading of your word. Lord, every time we have a chance to gather around um, around the scriptures, we are blessed because we know that it is a word from you. And so we ask, Lord, that as we study the Bible this morning, as we look at Exodus 3 and other passages that we're going to open up, um, we ask that your Holy Spirit would soften our hearts and minds to the message you have for us today. And I do pray, Holy Spirit, that you would give me words to speak as we reflect on your goodness in your grace. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. So this morning we're going to be starting a new sermon series. We're going to take a look over the next few weeks about some of the attributes of God. Now there's many attributes of God that we could focus on and we could we could make a much larger sermon series than just the few Sundays that we're going to spend on it. There's attributes of God that that we, to a certain extent, share with him. And what I mean by that is that, is that there's a, a, a little bit of that reflected in us. So, for example, we could be talking about God's love, his wisdom, um, and, and, and attributes like that. But to a certain extent, those attributes are also reflected to us. And by a certain extent, I mean in a very limited way. We all, of course, know that God is all-loving, Right? But we, as his people, created in his image, can love to a certain extent. Not completely like God does, not perfectly like God does, but we can love others in a manner similar to the way that God loves us. In the same way, we can share in God's wisdom, you know, by his grace and through his Holy Spirit. God is all wise and all knowing, but by God's grace, we too can be wise because we can share in that to a certain extent. Of course, again, God is perfectly wise in a way that we can never be. But to a certain extent, we can share in his wisdom. And so we could go on with some more of those sorts of attributes, that the ones that by God's grace he does share with us to a certain extent. But there are some attributes that belong to God alone, that, that are truly of him and not of us. And, that's, and there's really no analog for these attributes in his creation. Now, as we talk about these attributes, it's, rem- it's important to remember that they apply to all three members of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit equally, because they are one God in three persons. And these are the attributes that we're going to study together over the next few weeks. And today we're going to start with God's independence, and we'll get into what that means here in just a moment. But before we dig into the scriptures, the question I want us to reflect on for just a moment is why it's important for us to study the attributes of God, whether they're the ones that we share with him to a certain extent or the ones like we're going to focus on, which are completely separate from us. It's important to study the attributes of God because they help us to know and understand God better. Right, and that seems kind of obvious, but, but it's important for us as God's people to know him and know him rightly. Jen Wilkin, a, a popular Bible study teacher and author, once said that the heart cannot love what the mind does not know. And so it's important for us, if we truly want to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, if we want to grow in our relationship with him, then we need to know what he's like. 
And the more we know what he's like, the more we grow in our knowledge of him, the more we will also grow in our love for him. The deeper and stronger our relationship with him can be. You know, think about how that is true in our own human relationships as well, especially in marriages, right? The more you know and love, or excuse me, the more you know your spouse, the more you spend time with them, the more you live life with them, the deeper and stronger that relationship will be, the deeper that love will be for your spouse. The same is true with God. The more we know him, the more we reflect on his goodness and grace, the more that we spend time with him, the more we will then love him in turn. And ultimately, studying these attributes should lead us to worship, should lead us to praise and honor, and giving praise and honor and glory to God. The more we know and understand about God, the more we will be drawn to praise him. I want to read just briefly from Romans chapter 11. Uh, Romans 11 is kind of a turning point in Paul's letter. For the first 11 chapters, he'd been reflecting on some very very important, very deep topics, right? A lot of theology came out of Romans 1 through 11 and a lot that is important for us today, right? Romans, in in chapters 1 through 11, Paul talks about important things like we are all sinners in need of a Savior, right? That, That there is no difference between Jew or Gentile, that all have fallen short of the glory of God through faith, right? Those are all important topics that Paul reflects on in Romans 1 through 11. And at the very end of chapter 11, before he moves on to more kind of practical application, he says this, beginning in verse 33. He says, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. See, Paul, after after writing this great exposition about God's God's goodness and his character and his attributes and how God had worked in the world, it led Paul to then just break out in in what seems like almost spontaneous praise. Right? Oh, the, the depth and the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. Right? To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. You see, as we grow in knowledge of God, the more we understand about him, the more it should lead us to love him, but also the more it should lead us to praise him. And so that brings us then back to Exodus chapter 3, right? You heard Tori talking about the burning bush here in in our children's chat, right? And this is the story where where God calls Moses to go and, and, and lead God's people out of slavery in Egypt. And of course, he appears to Moses in the form of that burning bush. And and he tells Moses, and Moses sees what's going on and is is intrigued, right? He wants to go check out what's happening. Who wouldn't, right? If if you're out in the the wilderness minding your own business and you see a burning bush um, that's not being consumed, you got to wonder what in the world's going on. And so Moses goes and checks it out. And it's in that burning bush that God speaks to Moses he tells him that the, the ground he's standing on is holy ground. And, and from that burning bush, God reveals his name to Moses. When Moses is wondering what he should tell these Israelites, who, who should I tell them? Who, what should I say when they ask who sent me? And God responds, I am who I am. Tell them that I am has sent you. 
right? That phrase there, which, which is God's name, as, as Tori pointed out, is, is then often um, uh, can, can be translated uh, as Yahweh, or sometimes you get maybe some older text will say Jehovah, right? That same name there is represented throughout the rest of Scripture. In fact, if you were to flip open almost any page in your, in your Old Testament and you read through, you'll probably see the name LORD in all caps in your Bible. Whenever that word is, is, is printed in all caps, it's actually the name of God there. It's, it's that name Yahweh or Jehovah, the I Am. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a translation tradition that dates back to ancient times of not wanting to misuse the name of the Lord. And so instead in our English Bibles, you see that all caps word Lord. And anytime you see that, it's actually that name of God represented there. The I Am, Jehovah, Yahweh. And it's that very name that points to one of the important characteristics of God that we're going to reflect on today, God's independence. See, when, when Moses asked about who this God was, right, who, who should I say sent me, God responds with a declaration of his independence. He just says, I am who I am. So let's talk about what it means to say that God is independent and why that's important. First, we see that God is self-existent. In other words, he was not created or caused by anything. When he says, I am, right, he's not saying, I am dependent on other things or I am who you say I am. He just simply says, I am who I am. No other qualifiers, right, no other distinctions, just simply he is because he is. See, Scripture begins with the assumption that God just always has been and always will be. If you look at the very opening pages, opening words of Scripture in Genesis 1-1, it just says, in the beginning, God. Right? It gives no origin story, no explanation of where God came from. It just assumes right, that God always has and always will exist because he is uncreated or uncaused by anything. There was never a time before God existed because God always has existed. And so he's uncreated, but then everything, right, everything else in all creation, including us, were created by him and through him. In Colossians 1.16, again, Paul is writing, reflecting on Christ as the Son of God. It says, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. And so God is self-existent. He is uncreated, uncaused by anything. And that also means that he is not dependent on anyone or anything. He's completely separate from his creation. In Acts chapter 17, verses 24 and 25, it says, The God who made the world and everything in it, the Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples built by human hands. He is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. You see, anything that's created is dependent upon its creator for existence, right, for sustenance. Human beings, right, we depend on physical sustenance to survive, whether it's air or food or water, right? If we don't have access to those things, then we will die. They're necessary for life and no one can survive without the essentials. Now, suppose for a moment that God needed something to survive. 
In ancient days, there, uh, some cultures believed that the gods they worshipped needed the sacrifices. Right, The animals that were offered on the altar was actually food for the gods. And if people stopped sacrificing or, or, or they didn't do it the right way, then the gods they worshipped would get angry. Or maybe I should say hangry, right? That doesn't, doesn't sound like much of a God to me. It sounds like my four-year-old, right? When, when they don't get what they want or they don't get the food they want on time, they get upset. But suppose God was dependent upon something. I, people, I've heard people say that God needs us, that he created human beings because he was lonely. You see, people like to be needed. It's a nice sentiment, but it gives us an inaccurate view of God. If, people, if God needed us or creation or food from a sacrifice, then what would happen to God if he didn't get it? Well, the same thing that would happen to us if we don't get the things that we need, if we don't have air or food or water, right? He wouldn't survive. He would cease to be God. See, it's important to recognize that God doesn't need anything from us. All right, another way to put that is that God is completely self-sufficient. He has everything he needs in and of himself. That he always has and always will be independent from his creation. Right? He always, and that includes his existence, right? He's not dependent upon us for, for food or something other, something else like that. But also he's not dependent on us to... to to be who he is, right? I am who I am, right? Independent of circumstances and time and creation. In other words, God is always good, independent of what's going on in the world. God is always loving, independent of what is going on in the world. God is always holy and righteous and just, independent of what's going on in the world. God does not need us or anything to be himself because he simply is those things. Everything for his own sake and for his own glory. In other words, he is completely sovereign. He's not obligated or under compulsion right, to do anything for anyone. But what he does do is for his own glory and goodness. We see that in passages like Ephesians 1, 4 through 6. It says, He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. In love, He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with His pleasure and will to the praise of His glorious grace, which He has freely given us in the one He loves. Notice what it says there. It doesn't say that He adopted us into sonship because we deserved it. It doesn't say that he adopted us into sonship because we'd somehow been good enough. No, it says that he does it in accordance with his pleasure and will. In other words, he chooses to do it because he chooses to do it, right? He's independent and he is sovereign. And so God is not obligated or under compulsion to do anything, right? Because he is self-existent and self-sufficient, he's not bound to anyone or anything, And yet he chooses to love us. He chooses to make himself known through his word. And that is something, something worth reflecting on. In Isaiah 40, I'm going to read for you verses 25 through 31 from Isaiah chapter 40. Scripture often 
uh, you see it in the prophets, you see it in other writings, often reflects on who is like the Lord, right? That there is no one else like him. And so this is the Lord speaking through the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 40, beginning verse 25. To whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all of these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? My cause is disregarded by my God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Right? Who is like the Lord? No one. Right? No one is like him. He created everything. He sustains everything. But notice that even, even in this passage, right, he, he anticipates the complaint of, of his people, right? Why, you know, the, the complaint is, you know, my, my way is hidden, right? My cause is disregarded, right? And they complain that God does not know or care or understand what they're going through. And so if God is completely independent, right, if there's no one like him, if he sustains everything and created anything, then why do we as his creation, question his provision and his goodness. If we believe that God is good and holy and faithful, then he is completely trustworthy as well. He will do what is right. He will act according to his will. So God is independent, which means he is, he is uncreated, right? He is completely separate and independent from his, from his creation, that he does everything for his own sake or for his own glory, Now let's go back again to Exodus chapter 3. He says, I am who I am, right? He doesn't say, I I am what you say I am, or I am what you want me to be, or I am different according to the circumstances. No, he simply says, I am who I am. God's existence, his attributes are not dependent on time or circumstances. He is what he is all the time, and he doesn't change, nor is he dependent on anything. He's exactly who he is all the time in every circumstance, right? He's transcendent. He's above all things. He's not beholden to anyone or anything. This also means that he's consistent, right? That he's not going to change. He's, we know that we can trust him because he's not going to change from day to day. And we know that he is holy. He is separate, completely set apart from everything else. Wayne Grudem once said that the difference between God and human beings is more than the difference between the sun and a candle, between the ocean and a drop of rain, between the Arctic ice caps and a snowflake. Right? God is so different, so greater, so much more holy than we could possibly understand. The holy ground that Moses stood on had nothing to do with the soil and everything to do with the presence of God in that place. So why are we talking about all this this morning, right? We, we want to know who God is. We want to understand him better, right? And this is all part of it. But here's the kicker for us today. The God who is completely independent from all things, 
the one who has no need of anything because he lacks nothing. He also chose to create us. And when he did so, he looked at creation and said, it's very good. That God also chooses to hear the cries of his people. Again, remember the context of Exodus and what's going on there. Why is God reaching out to Moses? Why is God going to equip him to lead the Israelites out of slavery? Because if you look at the very end of Exodus chapter 2, It says, during that long period, speaking of Israel's time in Egypt, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out. And their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. God heard their groaning and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And so God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. Wow. Right, the God who's completely independent and above all of creation, the God who needs nothing and can be given nothing that he lacks, looks upon his people and has compassion and concern. God hears their cries and responds. That's amazing. Right? That's wonderful. That is certainly worth worth giving him the praise and the honor and glory. But he doesn't just stop there either. He hears the cries of his people. And he chooses also to dwell among them. After Moses leads the people out of slavery, after they're they're delivered through the Red Sea and they receive the the law and the the commandments on Mount Sinai, they receive instructions to build this tabernacle, this place of worship that would move with them through their wilderness journeys. And this wasn't just any old tent. This This was the place where God dwelt. Right? And he dwelt in a very physical way through the pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. They could literally see God's presence dwelling among them. And that place was called the tabernacle. It was a physical reminder, physical sign of God's presence with them. But again, God doesn't stop there. In John chapter 1, as, as the gospel describes Jesus as the Word of God, who always was and always with God. It says this, that the Word took on flesh and dwelt among Him. Right? This very Son of God, the Word of God, who had always existed in His his God, the, the very Son of God, the second member of the Trinity, in John 1.14, the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among them. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who, became, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. You know what that word is? It literally says that he tabernacled there. Right? That tabernacle in the wilderness, was, which is a sign of God's very presence. It says in John 1 that the, the word of God, the Son of God, tabernacled among them. He became present among his people. Of course, he is the Emmanuel, the God who is with us. But not, he didn't stop there either, right? He didn't just come to be with us and live with us. He also came to die for us as well. And don't you see how significant that is? Right? The God, that God is under no obligation or compulsion to do any of this. The Father didn't have to send the Son. The Son did not have to die. Jesus at any moment could have stopped everything. The Father and Son did not have to send the Holy Spirit to dwell with us, but they did. 
You see, God chooses to love us even though we, he, we did not and could not deserve it. So in John's gospel, it says that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And, and in Romans 5, 8, it says that God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, Scripture is clear that God is completely independent, that He is uncreated and lacks nothing in Himself. And yet, Scripture is also equally clear that God created us for His glory, and He delights in His creation. Isaiah 43, 7 reminds us, Everyone who is called by My name, whom I created for My glory, whom I formed and made. We are created for God's glory. Zephaniah chapter 3 verse 17 also reminds us that God takes delight in us. The Lord, the, your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. To know that God does not need to love us, but that he chooses to love us is amazing. And so what are our takeaways from this? One, we need to acknowledge our dependence on God. Right, Romans 14.8 says, If we live, we live for the Lord. If we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Right, we are limited. We can't do everything on our own. And so we need to depend on the one who is unlimited, right? who is independent from all things. God doesn't need us, but we need him. And so we need to acknowledge our dependence on Him. We need to let God be God so we don't have to be anymore. Right? The universe doesn't, doesn't center on, on you or me. Right? The world will continue to spin if you take a break. And so we need to learn to rest in God's presence and power. Right? Choosing to take a break every once in a while is an act of trust. Right? Sabbath rest is an act of trust. It's acknowledging that God is in control. Right? That He is able to provide, and that we can, we can take a break and let God be God. We also need to trust that God is sovereign, that because he is not limited and he is not uh, dependent on anyone or anything, he is free to act according to his will. And so that we, can tr- we trust that he is able to act according to his glory and for our good. So no matter what circumstances you face, know that God is sovereign over it all. That there is no situation, no circumstance too dire or dark for God. And we're also called to be holy like He is holy. The call in Scripture, both Old Testament and New, is to emulate God and His character. Right? If God is completely separate, if God is holy, then we need to live our entire lives in response to that, to honor and glorify Him. If, we are, if He is completely independent and we are completely dependent on Him, then our lives should reflect that. Right? That's why we were created, to know Him, to honor Him, and to glorify Him. And we need to remember also that God does this out of His great love for us. Under no obligation or compulsion to do so, God created and later redeemed humanity. And He chooses to love us even though we don't deserve it. And so I encourage you today to receive the grace and love that he freely bestows on us. That the God who created and sustained the universe, 
who does not need us for anything, chooses to love us, chooses to know us, chooses to be in a relationship with us. Don't neglect that. Don't reject it today. Accept the love and grace that God has for us. Look at what God's great at what great lengths God has gone to create and redeem you and give him the praise and glory he deserves. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you. We thank you, Lord God, that you are independent. Lord, I know this is maybe a difficult idea for us to wrap our minds around, but you are truly above and beyond your creation. Lord, help us to, to not just know that on an intellectual level, but also understand, Lord, that, that you, even in your independence, choose to love us and choose to save us and choose, Lord, to send your Holy Spirit to be with us as well. So, Lord, let us not neglect that great gift, that grace that you bestow, and let us honor you with everything that we do. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Our closing hymn this morning is number 262, number 262 in your blue hymnals, Holy, Holy, Holy. I invite you to stand and sing with us as we close out our service today.
may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. You may go in peace. Thank you.